0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I do apologize for not getting this out on Friday. I had a friend come over that I haven't seen in a long time, and I had no time to record it, but I had time to write it. So if you're on Steam it, you may have seen it already. Thanks to everyone who uh, commented on that and upvoted it and such. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to do... Uh, we're going to talk about open source today, as the title says. But I want to talk about some things. First, um, I, I have chosen, I have chosen, I have chosen to not continue with any weekly type content such as the tech news or the crypto loss stuff that I was doing because I want this podcast to have content that someone can come to and listen to the segments or the episodes and still get value from it in a few years down the line. Like PGP is not going to change that much from when I recorded it. Same with Linux. So very good information that's going to be, that will last a lifetime, or as close to it as possible. Like longer than a week in crypto- cryptography or uh, cryptocurrency. And we all know that cryptocurrency changes so fast that even the week after is not going to be whatever I said. The the day after is not the same as the day I said it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna drop that stuff and just focus on content that is um, useful for people in years in the future. So this is about open source today. It was from Friday. Tomorrow, if, it, if you're listening to this the day, the day it comes out, I'll be doing another uh, one to make up for the fact that I'm, I'm behind um, from today's post on Steemit. So yeah, um, it's called Evergreen Content, apparently. Um, well, I mean I know that's what they call it in the in the blogging sphere. I've been doing it for a decade. so That's my goal with this, with this podcast. I'm going to just focus on that. I think it's better for both the blog and the podcast. Um, I haven't really been focused on videos so much because it's just very time-consuming and I don't have a ton of time. Since I still have to work a full-time job but we'll see how that goes in the future if you guys want to see videos Patreon's there I'll, I'm going to be updating the information in patreon that like if I hit you know if I hit if we if we raise you know x amount of dollars then we can I'll, I'll add videos back in but um, as of right now it's not possible uh, for time to value ratio it's not a huge feedback isn't there this podcast is much more Has a much bigger reach than the videos do, and even um, even bigger reach than the blog itself does on Steam. It, which is fine, it's it's fine. (laughs) I thank you all for listening. It's very nice of you. And with that, with that, announcements out the way, let's talk about open source and what it means. So, open source is software whose code is not locked down. Basically, that's what it is. Anyone can look at the code even yourself. Uh, this allows for many benefits over the proprietary alternatives. One such benefit is more eyes equal more, equals more chances of finding issues and bugs in the code, issues that may lead to data breaches or loss of data from a crash. This was not always possible and did not exist until the 1990s when the internet started taking off. If you know Eric S. Raymond, he wrote a book called The Cathedral and the Bazaar. He has a quote in that book that says, Given enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow this is very true this is what this this approach does it's the bizarre approach bizarre as in like the place where you go buy stuff not like (laughs) it's crazy bizarre this means that what may take me three months to figure out may only take another person a single day to fix this is because they may have already spent the three months fixing something similar in another program and can easily implement the fix I need with proprietary programs the company known as the cathedral in Eric's book has to hire programmers to do the job. There is no way for the company to know for sure if hiring 10 people will get the job done 10 times faster or take 10 times longer. And it often takes 10 10 times longer. As Fred Brooks states, and here is a quote from Fred Brooks, he says, what one programmer can do in a month, two two programmers can do in two. That's how the cathedral works. A secondary perk is... Most of the time, these open-source programs will not cost you any money to download and use. The programmers are often doing this in their free time and with the help of the hacker community as a whole. Remember, hackers don't break into computers. Crackers do. The media has gotten this wrong. Go to Eric Raymond's site for a more in-depth idea of this. I also covered it in an earlier podcast based on Eric Raymond's website, so check out that stuff too. Since the people working on the program don't need it to support themselves, they, don't, they often don't charge a fee for you to use what was created. Often they started making the program because it filled a need that they had, and it ended up, ended up filling the needs of many more people. A quote in Eric Raymond's book, again, is, Every good work of software starts by scratching a developer's personal itch. One more thing before we're getting into the actual programs that we will talk about. As you spend time in the open source world, you will hear the term free and open source. The word free here is not referring to the price you are paying, but uh, but free as in freedom. FOSS, as it's often acronymed, is an open source program where the programmer agrees to a set of standards outlined by the GNU public license. This includes many things, but the main point I want to state here is that FOSS... FOSS programs won't have you worry about data collection, spying, other sorts of things that are packaged into binary blobs that we can't inspect. And that's good. Granted, most open source programs operate this way if they don't call themselves FOSS. This is because many of the people working on open source programs don't want the spying in their apps, and neither do their users being open source anyone can see the code and if it's collecting the data spying on you or using these binary blobs so what are some good open source programs we'll get into that right now i'm going to list out just a few uh some none of these are paid but they all have donate buttons if you want to give back to the developer saying thanks for your work it's super helpful i appreciate it all the ones i will talk about today are free to use so if you can't afford the proprietary version or don't want to pay for the next update check out the ones we talk about here they are just as good as anything you can pay for and every update that gets released is free at least at the time of me writing this the first thing we want i'm going to cover is called vlc And on their website, they describe themselves as a cross-platform multimedia player and framework that plays most multimedia files, as well as DVDs, audio CDs, VCDs, and various streaming protocols. I have used VLC even before I was a pure Linux user, the best program to play videos or stream content online, in my opinion. The The streaming of VLC is not like OBS, which is also open source, where you stream your content, but... Is where you stream other people's content to into your machine it's as simple as copying and pasting a YouTube link into the appropriate section in VLC and you can play the YouTube link right in VLC. VLC can be used on Linux, Windows, MacOS, Android and iOS. We also have GIMP. GIMP has been my go-to photo editor for many many years now again even back before I used Linux. There is no cost to download this program, and it can do everything Photoshop does, as far as I can tell. There is a learning curve, and if you already know Photoshop, you will have to get familiar with some different terminology. However, there is a skin for a gimp that makes all the icons look like the ones in Photoshop, so you don't have to relearn every icon. And that's, that's actually some magic that you can do with open source. You can make things look similar enough to another program that the learning curve is drastically reduced. GIMP also runs on Linux, uh, Mac OS, and Windows, so no matter what you're using, you can download it and use it for free, see if you like it. Like I said, it does everything I need to do. I never really got too deep into Photoshop because I never wanted to pay for it because it I thought it was too expensive. But everything I've ever needed to do that would require Photoshop, I have been able to do in GIMP, and there is great, great documentation on, on- online. You just search for what you want to do and type the word GIMP after it, and you want to find the answer. It's very useful. Next, we have Kaden Live or K D E N Live. I'm not sure how you say it. Doesn't matter. That's how you spell it. K D E N Alive. If you make videos, you should check out Kaden Live. It's not as polished as some of the more uh, some of the paid proprietary stuff out there, but I find that it does get the job done and is the best option currently. I've also used things like. Um, a I think it's called OpenShot. No, OpenShot something different. There's a few other ones I've used. Like I don't remember the names of them off the top of my head right now that were g- okay, but Canadian Live has been worked on a little bit longer, so I think that's why they have an edge currently. Just like GIMP, there's a learning curve, and you'll have to learn some new terminology most likely uh, if you're moving from a closed-source program. Caden Live can do anything, can do anything, and everything I've ever need, needed it to do. Things such as overlays, green screen removal, audio editing, and a bunch of other stuff, transitions, out the wazoo. As i said, this, it's not as good as the more popular software out there, but it gets better with every update. The only, it's the only video editor I've ever actually used at this point, so I can't say if it's, you know, tremendously terrible compared to. Its competitors out there or not? I've um I've not other than the other open source ones I've used. This is the only editor I've used at, at this level of performance. So how about a replacement for Microsoft Office? There is two. There is two. There are two of these. There is WPS Office and there is Libre Office. Both of these are great alternatives to Microsoft Office. They both allow you to edit and save files in .docx formats or any other Microsoft file type if you need to. You can also read files from this um, from this file type as well. You can load them up, edit them, save them, and move on. It's just very nice. I've used both and have found both and have both of them installed right now. If you want a more modern feel to your Office suite, go with WPS. They have the more updated look that you would find in something like Microsoft Office. If you want something um, that is more of an older style, then LibreOffice will be more your more your more of your uh, your speed, I guess, more of your choice because it has an older feel to Microsoft Office. They both have done a great job with making it look enough like Microsoft Office that moving somebody from Microsoft Office to one of these alternatives, it makes it, it's very easy. So if you're using an old version of Microsoft Office use move to LibreOffice, it'll feel much more intuitive. If you're using a newer version of Microsoft Office, use WPS Office because it'll feel more intuitive. If you're if you're more concerned about having a solid office suite that's been around for a while, I would recommend LibreOffice because it has been around longer. Libre is not as modern looking as I said and they have as they have an older look that you would find in an older Microsoft Office suite. But everything works super well and it's a very solid editor and you will not have problems with it. Um, you probably wouldn't have problems with WPS Office either. I have been using WPS Office more lately, um, just because you know it looks pretty, which is a, kind of a silly reason to use anything, but that's what I've been doing. And I've been able to do everything I can do in LibreOffice. However, I can't recommend it if you need something that will always work, because I don't know if it will always work or not, whereas LibreOffice always works. LibreOffice used to be be called OpenOffice, and they changed it to LibreOffice because Libre has a connotation of being free and open source, and that is exactly what this is. There are no binary blobs in the software, and you can be sure that your freedoms are respected by using this software. Thank you so much for listening. This was kind of a short one. I appreciate your time. Anyway, it was very nice of you to hang around and listen to this podcast. If you have any questions and you are on Anchor, please call in and ask. If you are not on Anchor, you can simply tweet me at JairaSwab. I'm on Mastodon as well, and you can get a hold of me there. If you want to hear my opinion on cryptography, uh, cryptography, cryptocurrency updates and such, and what's happening in that space, I will still touch on them in my daily audio audio logs so if you want to listen to that uh, you have to get anchor to listen to that or go to anchor fm slash jr swab to hear the updates every morning monday through friday um, i do those audio logs just saying hey this is what's happening and you know just more of like my life kind of stuff but there's also going to be that's why i'll talk about the cryptocurrency stuff because it's more of a one and done there's no saving that information it goes away after 24 hours thanks again for, for listening i appreciate your time Have a great one.